0: On today's edition of the Locked On Blues podcast, Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo. If you were starting up a franchise, brand new franchise, which one would you want to build your team around? Fortunately, the St. Louis Blues have both of them, so it's not really a debate we have to answer, but I'm going to be digging into each of their stats over the last season, some of the more advanced stats, and giving my take on why each player I think could be a potential franchise cornerstone for the St. Louis Blues down the road. Plus, taking a few mailbag questions at the end of the episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues. Your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Lockdown Blues Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Josh Hyman, as always, and we got a beautiful episode for you guys today because it is the first episode of September, the month in which the St. Louis Blues play hockey. Now, obviously, it's just preseason hockey, but hey, it's hockey. It's going to be a great episode today. First segment, I'll be talking about Jordan Kyrou, diving into his stats. Second and the tail end of the second segment. I'm going to be talking about Robert Thomas and just kind of comparing the two of them uh, and giving my thoughts on why each player you know, is, is a potential franchise cornerstone for the St. Louis Blues moving forward. Plus, like I said, some mailbag questions at the end in the third segment. For those of you that are new here, what's up? I'm Josh. I've been doing this show for a while. If you're returning, hello, you know me. Uh, check out the show on YouTube if you're not there. Subscribe. We're getting close to 500. I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I did something special, sort of a cool episode there. Getting close to 500 subscribers, plus 500 episodes in total. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming up, a lot of cool stuff in the works. Thanks to anyone who makes Locked On Blues your first listen of the day. Uh, free and available on all podcast platforms. You know the drill. Before we start, though, a little bit of personal news. Now, if you tuned into the episode a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago on YouTube, there was a cat that hopped uh, up onto my shoulders. Well, big news. That was a foster kitten. We were taking care of it, but now I, me personally, am adopting that cat. She will be my cat when I move out. I'm going to take her with me. So I, I'm, a, I'm a cat dad now. You know, big news. Wanted to share that with y'all. If you, you want to see what she looks like, I forget which episode it is, but a few episodes ago, or if you look on Twitter, uh, she climbed up on my shoulders during the episode, and it was really cute. So yeah, there's that. With that out of the way, though, let's get into today's debate. You guys seem to really enjoy the Tory Krug versus Scott Perunovich debate that I did. Uh, last week, so I figured I could keep up with the trend and do a debate that's a little bit less uh, relevant. You know, I, I think the reason why I talked about Tori Krug and Scott Prunovich was because I don't think that they could coexist on a team together for an extended period of time. The good thing about Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo is, all things considered, it is very likely that both of them will be on the St. Louis Blues for a majority of their career. Now, obviously, Robert Thomas has his big extension, Jordan Cairo does not yet. Uh but we'll get into that, all that stuff and more. First player I do want to talk about though is Jordan Cairo. So let's talk about Cairo, huh? He is twenty-four years old, six foot one hundred and ninety-six pounds, was drafted in the second round of the 2016 draft. He is a right winger. In terms of fantasy rankings, he comes in at the 49th highest-rated skater. In terms of the top 300 skaters, and let's dive into his stats last year. Now, one thing I will say, and you'll probably notice this later when I compare the two, they Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo had extremely similar stats last season, which is why I kind of wanted to do this episode, maybe dig into some more advanced stats. So let's get the comparison out of the way first. Jordan Cairo had 27 goals, 48 points for 75 assists. Robert Thomas had 20 goals, 56 assists for 76 points. So they were within one point of each other. Kairu had more goals, Thomas had more assists. Robert Thomas played in two less games, so his points per game was slightly higher at 1.06. Jordan Kairu scored 23 of his goals at even strength versus Robert Thomas got 15. Uh, 19 power play points for Jordan Kairu, 14 for Robert Thomas, two shorthanded goals for Robert Thomas, none for Jordan Kairu, 115 shots on goal for Thomas, 188 for Kairu. Plus 17 on the season for Robert Thomas, plus 10 for Cairo. Both of them stayed on the penalty box relatively well. Only 20 penalty minutes for Jordan Cairo, and only 16 for Robert Thomas. Now Robert Thomas took a lot of face-offs. Obviously, Jordan Cairo did not. Um, but the face-offs that Jordan Cairo did take, only six of them went one for 40%. Robert Thomas won 49.8% of his face-offs. Neither of the two are very physical. 13 hits for Robert Thomas, six for Jordan Cairo, 25 block shots for Robert Thomas, 23 for Jordan Cairo. Uh, Robert Thomas had 50 giveaways. Jordan Cairo only had 32, but Robert Thomas had 60 takeaways compared to Jordan Cairo's 36. So one thing I talked a lot about with uh, Tory Krug and Scott Primovich, was that giveaway to takeaway ratio. Um, and they're both relatively similar there. Um, Ten more for Robert Thomas and four more for Jordan Cairo, but when you you know compare the percentages, it, it, it's about even. Um, like I said, Jordan Cairo played in seventy four games last year. Robert Thomas played in seventy two. Three point seven points per sixty minutes um, for Jordan Cairo, three point four for Robert Thomas. Uh, both were pretty productive on the power play. With Jordan Cairo being slightly more productive with eight point one power play points per sixty minutes, five point seven for Robert Thomas. I don't want to just be reading stats all episode, but you guys get the point. A few more stats that jump out at me. Um, I do want to look at their, their Corsi um, and their player usage chart. So Robert Thomas has a very positive Corsi. Um, are not very positive, but in comparison to Jordan Cairo, he does. Robert Thomas has a 49.1% Corsi, which means when he's on the ice, the blues are in an offensive position 49% of the time, but he also starts in the offensive zone more than Jordan Cairo. Um, starts uh 56% of Robert Thomas's starts are in the offensive zone compared to Jordan Cairo's 54 and Jordan Cairo has a 46% Corsi. So based on that, Robert Thomas is a little bit better at driving offense. Anyways, let's talk about Jordan Cairo first and then we'll talk about Robert Thomas in the second segment. So Jordan Cairo, where do you start? He is an incredibly dynamic, incredibly skilled, incredibly gifted player. He is so fun to watch. Maybe my favorite player to watch on the St. Louis Blues. You know, he he has these plays where he'll pick the puck up in the defensive zone and in a flash, he'll be down the other end of the ice with his blazing speed. He won the fastest skater competition at the All-Star Game over... Connor mcdavid which is ridiculous you know that is a huge testament to his skating ability um he is a great player you know he puts up a lot of points he's very flashy he's very easy to play with because he's so fast and he draws on such the defense but there are some criticisms with his game and that is evident by the fact that his ice time um decreased later in the season now two seasons in a row we have seen jordan cairo get off to an absolutely torrid start lighting the league on fire, and then slowing up in the second half. Now, the first season was much more dramatic. Uh, two seasons ago, he pretty much disappeared after in the second half. Last season, he wasn't quite as um, ineffective in the second half, but his production definitely declined. And part of that is because he played less, but the reasons why he played less I think are understandable. Um, when Jordan Cairo isn't producing offensively, when he kind of goes into those ruts, he becomes very turnover-happy Uh, He makes ill-advised passes. He'll skate with his head down. He'll skate into crowds of players and lose the puck that way. And he won't be quite as engaged on defense. He'll be more focused on, you know, the offensive side of things, which is understandable. You know, a guy who uh, relies on his skill so much might be guilty of a little bit of cherry-picking here or there or not back-checking as much um, when things don't go his way. Uh, And that is why I think he kind of declined at the tail end of last season as well, just because his minutes went down as a result of his play being a little bit more inconsistent and then with the low lesser minutes it's hard for him to get back into that groove so it's understandable it's frustrating but definitely a a legitimate criticism of his game however he did have an extreme breakout season last year you know up there close to point per game um was he above point per game let me look uh jordan Cairo played in i know i just read the stat but i wasn't even thinking uh jordan yeah he was he was slightly above point per game um so both him and Robert Thomas above point per game last year, which is great. I think that's a metric of a really elite offensive talent. I think there's no argument that both him and Robert Thomas are elite players. That's kind of the whole point. You know, I frame this episode as a debate, but in reality it's more so just comparing the two best young players on the St. Louis Blues, uh, which I believe that both of them are. Um, you know, it's kinda of goes without saying. They're extremely talented young players that, you know, any team would be lucky to have. Um That being said though, I think that is Close to all I have to say about Jordan Cairo, you know, obviously there's more to be said. I've talked about him a ton on this podcast in the past, so, you know, you can go back to old episodes for that. But in the second segment, I'm going to be talking about Robert Thomas and then kind of giving my final comparison of the two, um, giving my case for each one. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But before I get into that second segment, I want to tell you guys about our good friends over at Built Bar. Now, if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor, delicious, indulgent cookie dough. Covered in chocolate, that's right, Belt has done it again, they do not miss. I'll introduce you to your new favorite, cookie dough chunk puffs, have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course they're covered in 100% chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein. So run to Bilt.com, snag a box for you and the family, or just grab a box for yourself, you know, hide in your in your closet so your family doesn't get it. That's what I do sometimes. You know, if I if I get a package from Built Bar and I'm not home, half of them will be gone by the time I get to them. So they're, they're a hot commodity in my house. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 at built.com for 15% off your entire order. And I'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right. So we spent the first, first chunk of this episode talking about Jordan Cairo. Now we're moving on to the counterpart in this debate. If you want to call it that in Robert Thomas. Now I read all the stats there. Robert Thomas is a center. He, um, was drafted, uh, a year after Jordan or a year before Jordan Cairo in the first round, uh, drafted, I believe 20th overall, um, and, yeah, what what, what, can, how, what can I say about Robert Thomas that I haven't said already, you know, uh, in these episodes? He is a, a guy that just received a massive extension from the St. Louis Blues, going to make him the highest paid player, excuse me, in St. Louis Blues history. Um, he is a player that Doug Armstrong himself in the front office has put a ton, a ton of trust in. Uh, they have basically said that, you know, when you sign a guy for this much, this many years at that term, you're expecting them to be the face of your franchise. they are expecting them, him to be a player to build around, and obviously that's no slight to Jordan Cairo. But the front office has a lot of faith in Robert Thomas. Now, Robert Thomas does have um, one more year under his belt, or even two more years at, at, as a full-time NHLer than Jordan Cairo, which is why I'm not super concerned about Jordan Cairo not having an extension yet and Robert Thomas do, having one, I think, After this season, as long as Jordan Cairo continues to improve and continues to progress, he'll be at a similar state to where Robert Thomas was when he got his extension. Therefore, I think Cairo will get his extension um, after this next season. I think that makes a lot of sense. But like I said, Robert Thomas is a little bit more proven in the sense that he was, you know, he's been around. He was on the roster that went to the Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. Obviously, he did have that unfortunate injury at the hands of Tory Krug, uh, broke his wrist, and was unable to play in the series following that. But, you know, had his moments in that playoff run, had his moments in the regular season. Um, you know, he assisted on Pat Maroon's uh, game-winning goal uh, in the series against Dallas. My favorite goal in Blues history, all things considered. Um, you know, he's been around the block a little bit more than Cairo. He's less flashy. He's less exciting. But he's more of a traditional, you know, good hockey player. He fits the mold. You know, he's a he's a two-way center. His defense has... has Definitely could still use some work, but he's capable in that end. He does spend a majority of the time in the offensive zone. Like the majority of his uh, face-offs happen in the offensive zone. But when asked to, you know, he'll play He'll play on the penalty kill sometimes. Um, he'll back-check, he'll break plays up. He's a good two-way center, but his offense is where he really shines. Um, he's not as much of a goal scorer as Jordan Cairo. That's something that definitely came on for Robert Thomas at the end of the season. He started shooting the puck a little bit more. Uh, and getting more goals but where he really shines is his passing there are a few players in the entire nhl that can pass the puck like robert thomas can uh it is amazing like sometimes he'll throw a pass and i'll and i'll in that split second i'll be like what the heck is he doing and all of a sudden some player will come flying out of nowhere and it'll be perfectly on their stick like he, he really sees the game very slowly. It slows down for him when he's making a pass, and you can see that, you know, he's not as turnover-prone as Jordan Cairo in that sense, in the sense that, you know, he doesn't make as many ill-advised passes. I think that part of his game comes a little bit easier than Jordan Cairo. Doesn't have the speed that Jordan Cairo has, but I think he absolutely makes up for that in the way that he sets up his teammates in the sense that Jordan Cairo is able to draw the offense with his speed and his skill. Robert Tom, or draw the defense, sorry, Robert Thomas is able to draw the defense with his passing ability. You know They always have to have their head on a swivel, making sure that he's able to pass the puck or not, not able to pass the puck to an open player because he is so deadly with that. Um, one thing I want to talk about, you know, I've given Robert Thomas his, his praise. I've given Jordan Cairo his praise. One area where I think each of them can improve heading into next season, starting with Jordan Cairo, I think I kind of talked about it. It's just cleaning up the turnovers, um, making the smart plays even when he's not producing offensively uh that'll keep his ice time up and that will keep his production up you know inevitably when teams sort of figure him out in the second half of the season like has happened his numbers are going to go down a little bit and as the playoffs approach it gets a little bit harder to score and for Jordan Kyrie it was all about just staying consistent in his effort um and his decision making you know when he's on fire he's the best player on the ice for the St. Louis Blues you know putting up multi-point nights left and right however when he's not on fire when he's in a rut he can almost be a bit of a liability you know, so I think it's just about cleaning up those mistakes, staying consistent even when he's not producing at the level that he wants to, and he will see the numbers continue to uh, skyrocket, You know, especially in that latter half of the season. One area that I would like to see Robert Thomas improve is an area that I think he already started improving on in the tail end of last season, and that is shooting the puck more. Um, I think if Robert Thomas starts scoring goals left and right— he could be a potential 100-point player. Just because of how many assists that he already gets being a pass-first player, teams kind of expect that out of him at that at this point. You know, if Robert Thomas has the puck on a 2-on-1, the defenses expect him to pass. Maybe that's not the best example because, you know, every 2-on-1 is different. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. You know, if he is established himself as a premier passer, players are going to expect the pass when Robert Thomas is out there. He can score goals, too. You know, he was a 20-goal scorer last season. Um, he scored some really nice goals. He's got a really sneaky good shot uh, when he uses it. It's very quick, very hard uh, to, to figure out if you're a goalie. Uh, elusive shot. He just doesn't use it quite as much. So if Robert Thomas can learn how to be a little bit more selfish of a player at times, not necessarily forcing shots, but sometimes, you know, even if it's, even if it's not a prime scoring opportunity, just keep the goalies honest, keep the defenses honest, put the puck on net, you know, rather than making that last pass. Because if he is able to establish himself as a goal scorer next season or in seasons down the road, that is just going to open up passing lanes even more for him. You know, Robert Thomas is already a magician when it comes to these tiny, tiny passing lanes and fitting the puck through, threading the needle. But the more that he establishes himself as a shooter and a goal scorer in this league, the more those passing lanes are going to be present, the more that they're going to be, you know, exploitable for him. And if he scores 30 goals instead of 20 goals, I also think that that will allow him to get 70 assists instead of 60, like this past season, because he's going to have more opportunities. He's going to get more ice time this season, you know, with that extension. I think he has an opportunity to be one of the top talents in the NHL. Um, In terms of Jordan Cairo versus Robert Thomas, who do you pick? I think it depends on the scenario. If I'm going full 82-game season, who do I think is going to be more productive I'm going with Robert Thomas. But if I, if if it's each player at their hottest, you know, each player is at the peak of their game and you need it it's a game 7, I'm going Jordan Cairo because there's nothing that can stop Jordan Cairo when he is on a tear like he is. Again, neither of those are any disrespect to the other player. You know, certain players are like that. Certain players are streaky and it makes them it makes them more valuable in the sense that sometimes they'll just create an entire winning streak by themselves versus some players are more steady eddy consistent they're not going to break out for hat tricks left and right but they're going to give you the same product night in night out and both players are extremely valuable in their own way for the st louis blues and i am so excited to watch them continue to grow and progress next season now in this upcoming third and final segment i'm going to be reacting to i think there's only two mailbag questions so i'm gonna be getting into those make sure you stay tuned be right back All right, got a couple mailbag questions on Locked On Blues Twitter, both of which come from Richard Clay. Thank you, Richard, or else I wouldn't have had a third segment for today's episode. Richard Clay asks, What line does Jake Neighbors end up on by the end of the season? That is a really difficult question because who, who knows, you know? Um, I think with the St. Louis Blues and with Craig Berube, that's kind of a hard question because he doesn't really keep his lines consistent all that much. You know, saying Jake Neighbors could end up on X line by, by the end of the season. I think a better question is, what is the highest line we could see Jake Neighbors playing on for a consistent uh, extended period of time? I think we could see Jake Neighbors in the top six. I think he makes the roster out of training camp. You know, the Blues really, really liked him last year. The front office is very, very complimentary of him and his ability. He looked really good in his nine games nine game stint, and he was one of the best players in juniors last season. He was the captain of the team that won the whl championship i believe i always get the leagues mixed up but um you know he is a great leader i think beyond just his skill he's he's a guy that really gets along with a lot of the blues players you know if you look on social media he's constantly hanging out with like robert thomas and and tory krug and guys like that he spends a lot of time with the players i think the players really like him and the front office really likes him i think he is 100% a 100 percent a shoe in for the third line Maybe the fourth line at the start of the regular season. But depending on injuries and chemistry, I could see him up on the second line. Heck, I could even see him up on the first line. It really just depends because the Blues don't really have a traditional first through fourth line in the sense that, you know, your first line is your best line. Your second line is your, is you know, slightly less skilled, but also good. Your third line is your checking line and your fourth line is your, you know, your grinder line. The Blues kind of just roll three high potent scoring lines and then a fourth line that's kind of more defensive fa- um, focused. But because of that, I don't think saying that Jake Neighbors will be on the third line all season would necessarily be a bad thing for him. I think he'll still get plenty of ice time. I think he'll probably see some power play time here and there. Um, I think it really depends on injuries and chemistry. You know, there's going to be times when players are out of the lineup and Jake Neighbors plays up because of that. You know, if a winger on the first or second line gets injured, I think Jake Neighbors is Honestly, my first choice to fill in that spot just because of his potential and how young he is. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Barubi favor more of the veterans in that sense, you know, the Brandon Saads of the, of the team and stuff like that. But I could totally see Jake Neighbors earning a spot in the top six. I think the better, better suited for him, though, is going to be power play time. I think he could really earn himself uh, a good chunk of that and put up a large number of points. I'm really, really excited to watch him play next year. You know, him, Cairo, and Thomas could be the future of the St. Louis Blues. One final question, less of a a team you know player related question, more of just a general general exciting question. What do you want to see on the reverse retro this year? That is a great question, and I've been thinking about it. So the Blues have done a couple really really nice jerseys. You know, um, you have the, the the clown jerseys as they say. The, the with the stripes at the bottom. They did the blue and the red version of that. I love those. And then the newest jersey that they've been kind of doing is the is the winter classic. You know, the, the powder blue. Uh, with the old style logo and then most recent year the the cream white with the pow- uh, with the old style logo the blues have been really really good about putting out some gorgeous um, retro jerseys or alternate jerseys or whatever I don't I'm assuming the blues are gonna get a new reverse retro I don't I haven't seen like anything confirming that 100% but I know I think most teams are if not all teams are getting a new reverse retro so if and when the blues unveil a reverse retro for either this year or next season or whatever I have a bold take. And it's something that, it's a a, a jersey style the Blues have never worn before, and you guys might disagree with me and think I'm stupid, and honestly, it might be a bad idea. Um, I think they should have a yellow jersey. Now, would I think, would that be my preference? I don't know. I mean, I'd have to look. I think that they could use the blue and the white like they have, maybe even the red in the past, but the one thing the St. Louis Blues have never had is a yellow jersey, and you see it right here in my hat. They've got yellow in their logo. They've got yellow on all their jerseys. You know, it is one of their main colors. Now the Predators are do have a yellow jersey. The Boston Bruins do have a yellow jersey. The Pittsburgh Penguins. There are a lot of teams out there with yellow jerseys already. Um, and the Predators are, are an example of how yellow jerseys cannot work. You know, if you just make it a solid yellow, I think it's kind of ugly. But if the Blues do something like uh, the style of the powder blue jersey with you know yellow, maybe a, not as not as much of a, of a vibrant yellow as what the Predators do, but you know their yellow um, with the with the powder blue and the white. Maybe even some red in there. Who knows? I think it would be very, very bold. Um, but I really think it could work. I think it could look really, really sweet if they really committed to a, a out there jersey style. You know, a yellow jersey. Look, I do. I think it's possible. Not really. I don't think there's any chance the Blues unveil a yellow jersey uh, just because of, like I said, the Predators and all the other teams that have yellow as their primary color. I just think it's kind of a it's kind of a tough one to pull off. And even if they do unveil a yellow jersey, there's a decent chance that it's ugly because yellow jerseys are kind of hard to pull off in the NHL. But I think the Penguins are a good example of a team that's done it right. I like their their yellow um, alternate jerseys with the with the black and the and the gold. And the Bruins are the same way. They you know their yellow jersey, like some of their Winter Classic jerseys, I think are really really nice if you could pull it off correctly. But it's definitely hit or miss. I think it would be a really bold choice, like I said for the St. Louis Blues. I know I would buy one just because it's it would be iconic. It would get people talking you know everyone's like oh my god the blues wearing a yellow jerseys people would either love it or they would hate it there'd be no in between and look that's what happened with the red you know reverse retro jerseys for the st louis blues that's what happened with even the first blue ones iterate people either hated it or they loved it there was no in between and if the st louis blues want to continue along that path of putting out some divisive jerseys i think yellow is the way to go i would love to see it i would buy one but let me guys know let me know in the comments uh, what you guys think about that, if you guys have any cool ideas for reverse retro concepts. I know, I know there's probably some great artists out there that have designed some. I would love to see those. If you guys have any that you know of, uh, let me know. Also, let me know your thoughts on the Robert Thomas versus Jordan Cairo debate, like I said, in the comments or the replies on Twitter. I think it's a great debate and fortunately one that, like I said, doesn't really have to be a debate because the Blues have both of them. And it's great. That being said, that is all the time I have for you guys on today's episode. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to me on, or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like I said, getting close to 500 subscribers can try to put something special together for that milestone. I know it's small and whatever, but it's cool. You know, 500, big deal. That's halfway to 1,000 and one, I don't know. I was going to try to figure out the percentage of how close that is to a million, but I do couldn't i I couldn't stick it out as a math major so i'm not gonna be able to figure that one out on the fly (laughs) anyways that being said thank you all so much for listening make sure you follow me on twitter at josh Hyman nhl or follow lockdown blues on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok at lockdown blues thank you all so much for listening and as always let's go blues